0: And uh, I'm kind of going with the governor. He said we didn't have to wear masks. If you want to, you are welcome to. But uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going the other way. Hey, listen, thrilled you're here. Uh, i got to be honest with you. I told my wife this morning, I rolled over in this Daylight Savings Time, and I said, honey, can I watch church online this morning? <laughs> now, we welcome everyone watching online. I wanted to, but she wouldn't let me. She made me get up, but... Uh, uh, we made it through the first service and sure glad that you're here. I hey, put this picture on the screen, uh, that song, Amazing Grace, the most popular religious song in the world, uh, uh, Amazing Grace, written by this man, John Newton. Uh, John Newton, interesting what it says, from slave trader to abolitionist because of Jesus Christ, which simply means there was a time in his life where he was the captain of a slave ship and then he became a Christian. And after he became a Christian, he became a minister and then he actually fought against slavery and worked with Wilbur Wilberforce and helped eliminate slavery in the British Empire. I mean, it's the power of Jesus Christ can bring that kind of change. And that's what America needs in her struggle with racism. We don't just need to get rid of books by Dr. Seuss and other things like that that our culture is trying to erase for numbers of reasons. If the love of God comes to a culture, how many know we embrace one another and we love one another as fellow human beings created in the image of God? Well, John Newton, his mom taught him the Bible as a boy, but he got away from God. Um, His mom died. He went with his dad. His dad worked as a... a, a, uh, sea captain, and he followed in dad's footsteps. He joined the British Navy, but he was so wild and worldly that they kicked him out of the Navy, and he started uh, literally being the captain of a slave ship. One day that ship that he was on was caught in a storm. The storm lasted many days. It was so bad they thought they would die. They had to take a rope and literally attach him physically to the ship so he could hold the wheel of the ship so it would stay into the wind. And it was in that place that the Bible verses that his mom gave him and taught him came back to his mind and he committed his life to Christ. He had what I'm going to call today a new beginning. I'm starting a new series today for three weeks called New Beginnings. Clearly our church is in a season uh, of new beginnings with the building. But I want to encourage you that you can have a new beginning with God. A new beginning implies change. And having no change, is, uh, it's not easy, but it's possible with God's help. And the text that I give you today to give you hope, Ephesians 3.20, and I want you to say this with me as it comes up. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or imagine according to the power, that works in us. To Him be the glory. It is the phrase, God is able. Can you say that with me? God is able to help me become the person He wants me to be. God is able to help me change. And this is what we're talking about today in New Beginnings. I want to talk to you about three types of New Beginnings today. The first is a profound change of life. It changes the orientation of who we are totally. The Bible would call it being born again, being saved, where Jesus literally becomes a part of your life and you follow him. The second thing we'll talk about is a new beginning from past mistakes. How many know we've all got them? How many know they haunt you? Does anyone ever feel like you're haunted with things of the past? You can never escape them, you're never good enough. We'll talk about that. And lastly, I'll talk to you about how to have a new beginning in broken relationships. Uh, we'll talk about the power of forgiveness, but let's talk first about a new beginning. Will change who we are, and we want to share a testimony with you by a lady. Her name is Teresa Richenberger. Teresa lives in Longview. And uh, Teresa's story, as she'll share with you. She was involved in, uh, as a prostitute, sex trade industry. Uh, she became a Christian in her late 20s. God turned her life around. And today, she's bought an old nursing home facility. And she's got about, uh, uh, with kids, uh, 50 women and kids who's gotten them off the street, out of prostitution, out of sex trafficking, and helping them rebuild their lives. Uh, listen, listen to her story. She's a, she's a missionary that we support as well.
1: I'm Teresa Richenberger and my story starts in Houston, Texas. I was a runaway at the age of 16 and a year later I turned 17 and I went into the strip clubs. The manager never asked me for ID. All he saw was a fresh young girl to start pimping out to older men in the Houston area. That was my lifestyle. 12 years in the sex industry. From the time I was 17 to the time I was 28, I let Satan steal all those years from drugs and alcohol, from being used and abused. I was told that I was trash. What decent man would ever want me? And then one day I met this Jesus, this Jesus. And he came in and he touched my life. And I sold out to him, everything to him. And now he is totally just transformation I'm, I'm a brand new person. Matter of fact, if I never told you I was a dancer or a stripper or a prostitute, you would have never thought I'd been there. Okay, now what the enemy intended for bad, God has turned it around and used it for good. He has taken my testimony and let me share with so many broken women coming out of the sex industry and sex trafficking. I have helped so many coming out of darkness, me and my team. I even wrote a book called "Sold to the Highest Bidder" because I'm sold to the highest bidder. Jesus paid a price for me that no man could pay. Well, now we needed a home for women and children to come to, so we bought an old nursing home in Kilmore, Texas. It's 32,000 square foot, and we opened it. It's called Rahab's House Retreat and Ranch, and we help other young women come and work our one-year-long discipleship program, and they get to build a relationship with Jesus. They get to get Healed from past hurts, scars, abuse. Just soak in the presence of God. And remember, saving just one matters.
0: Well, how about that? I want to give you hope today. Remember, Jesus, our scripture says that God is able. God is able to take a person that's bad and turn them into somebody that's good. He's able to take the good and turn it into better. He's able to take the better and turn it into best. I mean, we're all headed to become like Christ. I don't mean that we'll ever be God, but we are being conformed into His image sanctified, matured, and Christ has the power to change. Now I want to give you, in this first point today, I want to give you some biblical principles. Not just a quick checklist, but some principles that if you will apply in your life, I promise you radical change will happen. And the first one that we'll talk about is this, realizing our need for God. I don't mean at a surface level, I mean at a deep level. I mean to realize that my life can go no farther the way that it is. I need more than I have, and I cannot do it without God. The second thing we'll talk about is admitting we're wrong. Because how many know, until we acknowledge what we've done was wrong, we'll never get on the right path. And the last point is simple but profound. It is doing what Jesus tells us to do. Uh, go with me now. Let's, uh, I want to pick up a little more of uh, Teresa's story. And this first part uh, that I want to talk about under this point is to humble ourselves. It is to realize that we need God in our life. Typically, that realization starts, it small and it grows. Teresa's uh, testimony, she texted it to us, and uh, she said, I was sitting on a bar stool. Uh, I was in my late 20s. I was a prostitute. I was planning with my girlfriend how we were going to go out that night, where were we were going to stand, where were we were going to hustle and get money. And uh, then she said this, and she said, I picked up a newspaper and saw an ad inviting people to church. She joked with her roommate that she thought about going to church, and they both laughed. But she picked up the paper again. And it was just, if you can just enter into that feeling, a little bit of an inkling that I need God. And that began to grow in her life. Um, In the providence of God, uh, her neighbor had been witnessing to her. Uh, They both met at church that night. She went in the door. She said the people had raised their hands, lifted in worship to God, and she said tears filled her eyes. Now, she's dressed as a prostitute. She's got stiletto heels. She's got tight clothes. Uh, But yet God sees through that and loves her. Uh, And then she said, "I I felt the presence of God, but I kept having thoughts in my mind. What would a worthless prostitute and drug addict be doing in church? Now, how many know that's the devil? Trying to take us away from what God has for us. But then she said, I heard the still small voice of the Lord. And the preacher said that Jesus paid the price. Nothing left to pay for salvation. And as she wept, she received Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. So the first thing I want to tell you today, friends, is the starting place for change is to realize we need God's help. I don't care if you're you're not a Christian. Let me say this to you. You can change like John Newton changed, like Teresa changed, like I change, like hundreds of people in this room has changed, by submitting yourself to Jesus Christ, by following him as your Savior. And you can do that at the end of the service today. But for the Christian, how I many you know we all need to change as well? Maybe pornography has a grip on your life. It's a shameful thing. We're all ashamed if we're if it's a part of our world, but it's everywhere. Pornographic stuff, invitations pop up on my conservative news sites. They pop up on my Facebook sites. Uh, uh, These uh, women that should be wearing a large blouse or wearing a small blouse on Facebook wanted me to befriend them. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's just everywhere out there. But when it gets its hooks in you, it controls your life. And the problem is that we enjoy it, and it begins to define our life, and then our own intimate relationship with our wife is not enough and it just takes us to a place we never want to go and it's some place in that we've got to come to grips and say I need God I cannot help I cannot help myself unless God will help me and that's what happened to Teresa that's what can happen to us let me give you the second thing that goes right along with this how many know God can be reaching to us we may realize our need for him but we must also admit that what we're doing is wrong This is important. We've got to admit that going this direction is the wrong way and going this direction is the right. Proverbs 28, 13 says if we conceal our sins, we won't prosper. To conceal it is to hide it, it's to cover it up, or it's to minimize it, it's to rationalize it, it's to justify it, it's to say it's no big deal. But if you live that way, uh, you'll not prosper. But if you do what? If you confess and Turn the word turn means repenting. Turn around if you'll confess it, confess it first to God and confess it to people that you might have sinned against. Listen, it will set you on a course of change. Maybe you're a dad and your relationship with your children is getting got a little colder, they're kind of young kids, or maybe they could be in their teens. But the problem is, you love to fish and uh. All their tournaments happen to be on Saturday. All all the kids' ball tournaments are on the same day. Your bass tournaments are on Saturday. And you love to fish. And before you know it, there's no tournaments going on. And you tell your kids you're coming, but you never come. And the Holy Spirit convicts you. And you say, Lord, I'm going to change as a dad. Nothing wrong with fishing now. But those little kids need you first. And you go to your child and say, son, I want to ask your forgiveness. Dad has been selfish. You know I love to fish. You gave me a fishing pole for my birthday, but I let it get take control of my life. And I, I failed to do what I should do as a dad to be with you. And I want you to know that I'm going to be on the front row shouting for you next Saturday. Will you forgive me, son? Now, I want to tell you, friends, that is powerful. You want to change. You can't just keep it on the inside. you got to get it on the outside. Come on, somebody say, praise the Lord. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let me, let's, let's, let's keep going here. And it's the third one, and it's profound. And I say it this way, I just say, do what God says, but do what the Scripture says, do what the Holy Spirit nudges you to do, and He'll take you out of the rut. It's like it's like if you've ever been stuck in a vehicle, and someone comes and they hook up a chain to you and they pull you out of the rut. Well, how many know stopping what we're doing and starting to do what God wants us to do makes us a new person? Uh, let me give you an example. Let's say you're in high school, and uh somebody steals your new uh your new uh, uh Nikes. And uh I mean they were they were rolling Nikes, I don't know what Nikes cost anymore, but I mean they were the good ones, uh not at Sam's, okay? <laughs> Sam's is better quality, probably, but they're not the Sam's Nikes. They are, you know, what everybody wants to wear. And you find out about it, and your temperament, your personality is a fighter. Uh, how many can say I used to be a fighter there when I was in high school? Used to tussle a little bit. Three ladies uh, recognize that. Uh, everybody else a little shamed. But, you know, when we got older, we, we quit the dukes because, you know, who wants to get your teeth knocked out again? That's pretty painful. And, uh, you know, you go to jail <laughs> anyway. So we just kind of settled down in life. But when you're younger, or you're supposed to, but when you're younger, you know, you want to go duke it out with him. And, you uh, You've already planned it that night. You got mad because somebody snitched. They sent you a photo uh, uh, with him uh, having your shoes on his feet. So you decided what you were going to do. You got one of mom's sharp knives, and you were going to go cut his tires in the morning uh, when you got to school. You knew who he parked, and then you were going to corner him in the locker between fourth and fifth period because you knew he walked by the back hallway, and then you were going to give him the old one-two. Well, the knife is on your bedstand, but your Bible is there as well. And here's where this point comes to pass. Do what God says. There's power in the Word of God. You read Luke six twenty-seven. Jesus said, Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who stole your shoes. Pray for those who hurt you. You even know the scripture that says if they take your coat, give them your tunic as well. So you pray about it a little bit, and your heart begins to change. You leave the knife at home, and you go to school, and you confront him. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't get your shoes back, okay? I'm giving you an example, though. But you bring him a pair of socks to go with those shoes, and you tell him if you need them that bad, come on now. But then you tell him, listen, you know good and well that I'm a fighter, and I got a reputation for fighting, but I'm not going to fight you because you stole from me. I've been praying for you ever since God got a hold of me. And I used to be just like you, but Jesus changed my life and I got a better life. And if you've got the guts to follow Christ, He'll change your life. Is that possible? It is the power of God's Word to change us. But if we don't get God's Word in us, how many know we're going to stay the same that we were? This, is worth, this will change your life. Humble yourself. Realize and recognize your need for God. Admit your mistakes. Admit what you're doing is wrong to God first and then to people. And then that last thing, friends, is do what God says. And let me know as we stay in the Word, stay in prayer, He'll show us what to do. Give the Lord a good, a good hand today. Now I want to do something today. After each point, I want to pause and I want to pray. And I want you to bow your heads right now. And I wonder if anything has come to your mind For some of us here, we may not even be a Christian, and we may need what (laughs) Teresa found. But for the Christian, maybe the Holy Spirit has convicted you of some area of life that that not only you know it needs to change, but He wants you to change. Would you just pray right now and say, Holy Spirit, I hear what you're saying, but I need you to help me. And my confession now is God is able to... To do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or imagine. And Holy Spirit, I've not been able to get a hold of this thing. I've not been able to break the addiction. I've not been able to change the way that I treat people. I've not been able to change the words that have been coming out of my mouth. But today, Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me be better than I am. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. All right, let's keep going. Number two, a new beginning from my past mistakes. I'm talking about personal freedom through forgiveness. I dare say everyone in this room, most of us, except my wife, she's perfect. She's pretty perfect now. I I mean, I say that a lot, but she really is. I tried to catch her and doing bad and I can't catch her. I don't know if she's just sneaky or just doesn't do it as much as I do. No, she's a godly gal. She's the real deal. I, I am honored, honey, to have been married to you for 37 years and I'm a better person because of you. Is that it, what you wanted me to say? <laughs> I'm just, I just she she no you know I'm teasing. She really is. I had something in my life that 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 I was a, a part of in my late teens. And I carried the shame of it for 20 years. I never talked to anybody. Then I became a preacher. And the issue around, and it doesn't matter what it was, but the issue that was around it was something that I needed to teach people from the Bible. So here I am, talking to people about the right way, feeling ashamed and condemned and unworthy to speak it because I had done it and Satan tormented me over it. Anybody? relate to that? Let me help you with this. We're talking about personal freedom through God's forgiveness. Every one of us, some of us have been in jail. Some have abused a child, gotten a divorce. It's a horrible stigma. My wife even (laughs) mentioned to me between services. She said, you know, it's interesting. We'll welcome a murderer in church, a former murderer, but uh, if someone's been through a divorce, there's a stigma. Shame on us. Forgive us if you felt that stigma in the house of God had an abortion stole money i mean whatever it is but here's what we do want to do there's a feeling that we should have shame and that rather than finding the forgiveness that comes through Christ of the cross we want to punish ourselves we subconsciously feel a need to beat ourselves up and we feel unworthy maybe you're gifted to sing or maybe you're gifted on an instrument and you should be on the stage it's god's gift to you But because of what you were, you don't feel you're worthy to be on the stage. How many know no one is worthy? All our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. What makes us righteous, come on, is the blood of Jesus that washes our sins away. Though your sins be as scarlet, God makes them as white as snow. God throws our sins in a sea of forgetfulness. So why can't I forgive myself? Let's read a passage about God's heart towards people who sin, and that's us. John chapter 8 uh, Jesus is in the temple imagine he's with a group 30-40 people uh, largely it's pr- probably all, all men were there and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery I've always wondered why she was the only one there where was the fellow exactly. who said that so loud? mercy <laughs> stone him come on stone him It takes two. He made her do it, didn't he? Didn't have anything to do with the way she was kind of shaking as she walked, did it? Why did you do that? I forgot what I'm talking about. Okay, it was serious. Now, adultery is on primetime entertainment today. It's just a part of America. But in the Old Testament, you'd got stoned over an adulterous affair. And I don't mean high stoned. I mean rock stoned. See, this is real serious. Y'all are not letting me be serious. They they, said, so, okay, okay. She's in adultery. She's on the ground. They said to Jesus, the law of Moses says stone her, but what do you say? Let's get serious. Jesus, what do you say to me because of what I did? What do you say to me because of what I let, well, what I did? When the accusers heard, or Jesus said, let the one who's never sinned throw the first stone. And when the accusers heard that, they slipped away one by one. And Jesus looked and said, where are your accusers? Did not even one of them condemn you? This is the problem, this condemnation, -condemnation, self-condemnation, self-judgment. That's from Satan, but we feel a need to be punished, and we don't know how to release our sins to the cross. Jesus said, Said, she said, No, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I forgive you. Go and sin no more. And that's the word to you today. Let the, Receive that from the Holy Spirit. I don't condemn you. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. This gal had two choices now. Jesus forgave her no matter what she'd done. She could hide in shame or she could be known as the town adulteress. Or she could lift up her head, put her feelings high, and believe that she was, come on now, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ to be condemned by no one ever again. So, here's the $64 question. How do I receive forgiveness from God? Now, I'm going to read you a simple Bible verse. And you'll say, that's too easy. And you're right. The hard work was done on the cross. Yes. Our part is the acknowledgement of it to Him. First John 1, 9. It's been one of the favorite scriptures of my life. If we confess, say it with me, our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not some unrighteousness, all of it. And He went on to say in Psalm 103, He removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. Uh, Jesus takes our sins away. If you're old enough to remember uh, the old blackboards, you know, when when the teacher would write on it and she said, Johnny, erase the blackboard, and the eraser would go across the board and you couldn't see it any longer. On a computer, when you send it to the trash, you can go play in the trash and get it out again. But when Jesus forgives us, come on now, he removes it from us. He takes it away just like a surgeon takes away a tumor and it's no longer a part of our lives anymore. This word, if we confess our sins, it's accompanied, or it should be accompanied, by sorrow of heart. You remember where we started? Our need for God. A sorrow of heart. Because my sin was not just against someone. My sin was against God. and It was my sin that sent Jesus to the cross. And godly sorrow produces repentance in my life. And, and, and this scripture is true whether I feel it or not. Because here's what we have to do. We have to distinguish between the revelation of God's word and our feelings. Because we may not feel forgiven, but even if I don't feel forgiven, my faith in God's word trumps my feelings. And rather than me saying, I still feel unforgiven, I now say, I thank you that I've been cleansed. I've, I've confessed my sins. You have forgiven me and you hold my sins against me no longer. And I believe God's word and I let God's word program my thinking instead of my stinking feelings. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Hey, let's act on this before we go farther. and let's, let, let, let's, let's take just a minute to pray. And I want you to bow your heads again. Nobody's business here. But if there's something that's been in your mind as I've been talking, if there's been nothing there, praise the Lord. But if there's been something from your past that haunts you, it haunts you on the night unexpectedly. It keeps you from doing things that you should do. It brings shame. And condemnation in your life. I want you to do what the scripture said. And I want you to confess it to God right now. And I want you to receive his forgiveness. Because there is I declare to you in the name of the Lord. There's no sin that is too great for God to forgive. And when God forgives your sin. He puts them on the cross of Jesus Christ. He removes it from you. And no longer does he hold you guilty. But he declares you righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So today, Lord, we receive your forgiveness. We reject shame and condemnation because the Son makes us free in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good praise today. All right, let's, let's do one more. Uh, a new beginning in broken relationships. How many know when a relationship with someone breaks, I, I don't know if our t- sound guys knows about our center TV went out. And I don't know what time it is, so I'm probably going to preach another hour. You know what it means when a preacher looks at his watch, don't you? Nothing, so... No, no. No, I've got just a few more minutes. My last point a new beginning in broken relationships. It happens when we forgive people who offend us, who hurt us, or do us wrong. Now, I promise you this is going to help you. This whole series about new beginnings, these three weeks, is very practical. It's putting the Bible into practice every life, in our personal life, every day. Um, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19, it says, An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Now, to be offended means someone did you wrong. They may not have meant to do it. They may not even know it. But they hurt you. They broke their word to you. They lied to you. They divorced you. Come on now. They raped you. They did evil against you. They took something from you. They showed some, expressed something towards you, and you got offended and then it goes on to say, "Arguments separate people like a gate locked with bars." Now I want to show you a picture. It's on the screen. About uh, who? Well, this is us. We're the castle. We're real tough on the outside. I mean, you know, you got to be pretty tough to live life. <laughs> I mean, if you if you're too sensitive, the world would just flat eat you up and throw you away and spit you out and take advantage of you. I mean, you know, you, 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 you got to be tough, but you don't have to be ugly and mean. Come on now. You, 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 can, you can protect yourself, but still be one of the kindest people anyone ever will ever meet. But, but there's a gate there, and I want you to see that that gate represents our heart, and that gate is closed. And that's what I do. I have, a, I have an invisible gate on my heart. And when I'm getting along with people, the gate's open. And I share openly my feelings. I talk with them. I express feelings of love. And we have conversation. And we're, we like spending time together. But when the gate gets closed, when people hurt us, when, 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 when something happens, uh, we, we close the gate and the relationship will get worse. This is the root of divorce. It is the root of family problems. It is the root of many people being fired and quitting work. It is the root of church conflict is we don't know how to forgive people who hurt us. We close our hearts. And forgiveness is like a reset button in relationships. Whenever I call the tech for my little dish device, you know, my DVR, one of the first things they'll say is, they even say it on the little recording, they say, hit the red reset button and it resets the system. Now, this is what forgiveness does Uh, And and let me tell you a personal experience in in, in my life. Uh, A number of years ago, a Christian brother hurt me, did something to me. doesn't matter what it was, but they hurt me. And what I fully expected they would do is to come to me and apologize, and they never did. And actually, they kept going, kept continuing to do it. And I'm not a confrontational person. I'm not apt to just jump in your face. I'm your passive-aggressive type. Uh, whereas they just kind of kept doing it and my gate just kept getting shut more and more locks and more chains on it but you know I, I got even now when somebody hurts you, how many are ready to uh, punch them in the nose? You-, you-, you just gotta get a hold of yourself, wave your hand at me real quick Let's see. yeah mostly ladies I see um, <laughs> but how many are passive-aggressives which means that we punish people differently we smile and we you like that you know, we forget your birthday on purpose. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't accept your lunch invitation on purpose. I mean, we... Yeah, you know how to get... It, all of you, you know how to get even. We, we, we just know how it works. We give you the silent treatment. And that's, that's kind of what I did. And I did it for years. Because I'm, I keep... I have this need because I want this person. They were older than me. I had this need for them to, you know, love on me and acknowledge what they did was wrong. But they never did. And finally... It's seven years after I've broken a relationship with them. It's a true story. I'm in my yard cutting my grass. And my stomach is in a knot. And I'm rehearsing. Come on. I'm rehearsing what they did to me. And they don't even have a clue. And once again, there's power in the Word of God. I read the Bible. And the Bible says, you forgive people just like God has forgiven us. And then the Holy Spirit convicted me of the strangest thing. You see, I've been waiting for all these years for them to come to me and apologize. But the Holy Spirit convicted me that I need to go to them and apologize. I needed to apologize because I've been passively, aggressively hurting them and not acting like a Christian. You see, the fact that they didn't act like a Christian justified me not acting as a Christian, even though I'm a preacher and should know better. just because you have nice fancy socks on that doesn't mean you're always right so i went to them hard 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 thing to do and i went to them and i said listen i want to apologize to you because of the way that i've treated you over the last seven or eight years and uh... you did something and hurt my feelings and uh... so i decided i'd hurt you back and i was wrong and i want to ask you to forgive me and you know what they did nothing true story See, I was thinking they're going to say, oh, I know what I did was wrong and I should have apologized. I'm so sorry. And they didn't. But you know what? I got free that day. I don't forgive people because they deserve it. I don't forgive them for them. I'm forgiving them for me. Because Jesus said, and the way I forgive other people is the same way he'll forgive me. Now, listen, I'm still saved. I'm still going to heaven, but I'm miserable till I get there. let's head towards the end here. Um, How do we forgive someone who hurts us? Now, this is worth coming to the whole message. So if 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 you didn't like anything else, this is... How do I forgive someone who hurt me? Make a conscious decision to turn justice over to God. See, we operate with the idea that forgiveness is a feeling. But it's not. It's a decision. You see, the definition of forgiveness is a decision to pardon or cancel an offense. It's to overlook an offense. It's to treat the offender as not guilty. It is to turn the right of punishment or getting even over to God and release it to the cross. Make a conscious decision to turn forgiveness over to God. For example, you have held this offense in your heart and squeezed it for a long time. But when you forgive someone, you make a willful choice to open your hand and throw it to God. Now you say, yeah, Pastor, I've done that, but that ball falls right back in my hand and I hold it again. How long do I have to? See, forgiveness is a process. It starts with a one time, but every time that ball hits and your heart wants to do that, they say, no, I have chosen to forgive them and turn justice over to God. And you keep doing that, and one day you're going to do that, and you're going to be free. I'm telling you, this works. Turn justice over to God. The second thing is a way to kind of put some accelerant behind it. Because it's one thing for me to have this internal process. It's another thing for me to get outward. Pray for them and bless them. You say, surely not, preacher. Luke chapter 6, Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those who, uh, bless those who, and, oh, you have to say the whole last one with me. Pray for those who hurt you. I'm going to pray for them, all right. I'm going to pray. Yeah, I'm going to pray for them. I want to pray that their car, you know, gets stuck in, uh, that they get, you know, run into something. I'm going to pray they have four flat tires. I'm going to pray for them, all right. That's not the kind of prayer we're talking about. And it is not easy. Lord, I want to just say again, they hurt me. But I want to ask you today to... Lord, I want to ask you today to... I want to ask you today to bless them. And I want to ask you to do them good. And you can just feel the weight going. Because you cannot, listen now, have your hand praising God and the other finger pointing, you know, at them. You, you, you cannot do that, but when you do this, and when you obey God and do what He says, come on now, it will change your life. I had a preacher in town that offended me. You're thinking, who was it, who was it, who was it? None of your business, none of your business, none of your business. But they kind of violated what I thought was a sacred preacher rule, and uh, uh, they had no clue, I'm sure, and, but, and the problem was, I would have to go near their neighborhood to get to my house. Now, true story, and I'm ashamed to admit this, but I would go out of my way and add to my commute time to avoid their neighborhood so I wouldn't have to think about what they did. Now, I went through the little forgiveness routine and the ball and all that, but one day, I'm going, and I had to stop at a stoplight. It was just a quicker way, and I stopped at the stoplight, and I could see their church, and the Holy Spirit convicted me. True story. And I said, Lord, forgive me for the way that I've acted. I bless him today in Jesus' name. See, now you know it's a male preacher, not a female. I bless him today in Jesus' name. I pray you do him good. I pray you prosper him. I pray the favor of God would fall on him. And every time I'd go to that stoplight, that prayer would get easier. And one day, it was gone. I'm telling you, friends, God's ways work every time we practice them. Come on, give the Lord a a good hand today. I want you to close your eyes again, and I want you to, if there's somebody that you need to forgive today and you want to make this decision, nobody looking around, but I want you to just kind of make the fist there of like what you've been doing, holding it inside. And if there's several people, do both fists. But I want you, and you only you can do this, I want you to just tell the Lord right now, say, Lord, I'm going to forgive them. I'm making a decision today. I'm gonna forgive them and I want you to just open that fist up and I'm gonna turn it over to God whether they knew they were doing wrong or not doesn't matter I'm not their judge you are I I release the judgment to God and I'm gonna go one step further Lord I I, I kinda see their face in front of me now in my mind I'm gonna bless them and I'm gonna pray that you would do them good and I'm gonna continue praying for them Lord until this feeling goes away from my soul now God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine and I just want to tell you friend the depth of your hurt is great the depth of God's forgiveness and freedom is greater just receive the grace of God right now just receive the grace of God just tell him Holy Spirit I can't do this without you it is too emotional it is too painful come help me holy spirit In jesus name let me let me close this way we're going to close with a song and we'll have our prayer team here maybe you're here today and 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 the decision you need to make today is you need to commit your life to christ maybe you're here if you died today you don't know if you'd go to heaven or hell when we heard this story whether it was John Newton or whether it was Teresa there the Rickenberger girl they had a defining moment in life when they turned their life over to Christ Pastor Travis will give you that opportunity in a moment but I want to close with this thought we may not be able to change ourselves but with God's help we can I want to read the text again Now to God, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Now that little phrase, according to the power that works in us, I'll suggest God's not going to do anything if there's not much power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. So what does that mean? That means for me to make changes in life, I need to grow spiritually. It is a spiritually mature thing for a kid or an adult not to cut somebody's tires and give them a pair of socks. It is a spiritually mature thing to go to your kids and ask your kids for forgiveness. Well, how do you become spiritually mature, Pastor? I'll tell you, it's a rhythm. Reading your Bible every day, spending time with God every day, praying every day, fellowshipping with the believers on the weekend as we're doing now. It's a rhythm. But I want to close this service this way encouraging you to read your Bible every day because this is where the power of God enters your life, this is how God speaks to you it's the primary way, it's through the scriptures we have a picture, a church app, you can see the picture up there, you just download it, go to either iPhone or Android and search the store, Church on the Rock Texarkana, you got to put Texarkana in but you see where it says Bible God on the left there and then on the right That's that's what we read Friday, Job 10 and 2 Timothy 3 Uh, Today it was Job maybe uh, 12, 11 or 12, and uh, it was uh, the book of Philemon. Read a chapter every day. If you can't read two, read the New Testament. But if you'll read your Bible, if you'll make a resolve in your heart, and this is I'm closing today, make a resolve in your heart today to read your Bible every day. If you don't have a Bible, ask one. Somebody's got a name tag on and we'll get you one. But you read your Bible every day, and it's the way that God will speak to you, and it will change your life. You remember what I told you about John Newton's mom? She taught him the Bible up until he was seven years old. When he's on this ship as a slave trader, evil, wicked man, holding on to this, quote, steering wheel, that scripture came back. This isn't his own memoirs. That scripture came back in his mind, and it led him to Christ. God can change us and give us a new beginning. Come on, give him a big hand today. He's worthy of praise.
2: Amen. Would you stand with me as we prepare to close? I want to remind you of a couple of announcements. One. On your way out today i want to encourage you stop by the tables in the foyer grab some info on small groups every believer here we need christian community and so get uh, a part of a small group that uh, that's life giving to you i also want to remind you if you need to give on your way out you can do that in the boxes or the debit machines on your way out but listen to me for just a second you know we've been using this phrase new beginnings to describe our building campaign isn't it funny that's exactly the kind of transformation that god gives to us when we choose to trust in his son jesus christ and i want to brag on god for just a minute because i'm so thankful for the new beginning that god has produced in my life you know uh, i remember receiving christ i was in eighth grade in our old building in powerhouse right down interstate and pastor mike was preaching a message and for one of the very first times in my life I began to sense the presence of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit that I finally understood that I was a sinner that needed a Savior amen and I don't know where you are today I don't know where you are spiritually but I believe that there are some people here that as pastor John has been speaking this morning you began to wrestle with this reality that you have a problem with sin we all do Maybe you felt defeated. Maybe you feel broken. Maybe you feel like you just can't get over this hump and like there's something missing in your life. And can I tell you the good news this morning, that there is hope in Jesus Christ. There is hope in Jesus Christ. And so if you're here and and you say, I've been struggling with sin, can I tell you the cross offers forgiveness? If you're here and you say, I I felt broken, can I tell you that the cross offers restoration? And if you're here this morning and you say, I've been feeling defeated in my life, Jesus Christ offers victory. And so if you're here this morning and you know I'm in need of a new beginning, you've come to the right place. You've come to the right place, and so this morning, I want to tell you exactly how you can receive your new beginning, and it's by making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, and by repenting of your sins and choosing to follow Him. And so I want to ask you real quickly to be bold. If you're in need of a new beginning this morning, and you want to cry out to God and say, Lord, that is me. I need you. I just want you to wave your hand at me real quick and say, that's me. Amen. Amen. I see hands. Amen. I see hands if that's you don't miss this opportunity praise God and so right now I actually want to ask our altar team would you come down front, our prayer team if you have any prayer need at all we want to pray with you this morning don't leave with the same burden that you came in here with but if you just lifted your hand this morning and acknowledged You need to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. You want to receive your new beginning this morning. I'm going to be right over here at the cross, and I would be honored to pray with you this morning as you make the most important decision of your life. Come on, let's worship together.